Hey everybody, welcome to another wonderful episode of Midwestern Fins. It's your boy Taylor Ballard, joined by my trusty co-host Matt Hagler. We Howdy. have a super Howdy. We have a super awesome guest this week, none other than Montana Ken, who happens to be Matt's dad. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing great. great. Yeah, so this is the double Hagler episode. Um, you got uh, one Midwesterner and two Montanians. Is that how you call yourself? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Montana doesn't have sales tax. So if you go buy stuff there, it's actually cheaper than everywhere else in the world. So then when you actually have to go places, you have to explain it to me. Like when you go somewhere else that actually has sales tax, it's upsetting because you have to calculate how much more it's going to be or you're just not prepared for that. Yeah. So when you go to a store that's outside of the state of Montana, you, you, uh, you usually have a price in your head, um, or add up, you know, if you have more than one item and then, then when you get to the register and they tell you it's, uh, you know, a little bit more then then you're, it's kind of like a little sticker shock. And then you have to remember that, Oh, I'm not in Montana. I have to pay their sales tax. Or you just get angry. That sounds amazing and horrible at the same time. <laughs> well, I, go ahead. I don't get angry. Um, as Matt could tell you, I've never gotten angry in my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm well, angry. It's also cool for me because also, like Amazon, I don't have sales tax either. Like accounts for online stuff too, so what? I'm breaking in the sa- like the benefits everywhere except outside of Montana. What's your income tax like, or do you have one? Oh, yeah, I that's don't where that's, remember. That's where the the trade off is. We pay um, a little bit higher in the income tax. I don't know the exact rate, but um, it's it's. Uh, <clears throat> like close to 8% or something like that, which hmm. is other states are around 6%. Okay. So. But we know how much everything costs. Yeah, straight up. I know that uh, in Lead, South Dakota, the property taxes are like the highest per capita in the United States. And it literally is because of our snow removal costs. Like it costs a lot of money to live in Lead per taxes because of how much it costs to remove snow so okay but does your guys do a good job yeah (laughs) okay cool wonder what that's like to have good snow power yeah i will tell you that very rarely will you see anything other than a cat 930 front end loader plowing snow all right all right that's basically all we use and then because all the streets are so narrow um, we have to haul all the snow out of here. So all the snow gets put into piles like the first day. And then when it stops snowing and all the piles are built up on the corners, they'll come in, scoop all the snow into dump trucks and then go dump them off a cliff somewhere. All right. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah for us, it's, or at least where I'm at, they'll plow like only like four roads in the entire town. And it'll like stay snowy for a couple of days. Then they'll go and plow the little top layer, which is not even anything anymore because the rest of it's all ice underneath. 
And then, like, another week later, they'll bring in a grater and break up all the snow and ice that's left over. But it's like, well, I've almost already died, like, five times, like, yesterday. So, like, thanks for finally getting around to it, guys. I appreciate it. That sounds awesome. There's, you can tell there's... I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> no, it sounds like you're both perfectly acceptable about it. There's one town near me, Screwfish. Um, when they plow, they just plow all the berms into the middle of the street. So you can't actually take a left turn anywhere. Yeah, Make so Casper, Casper Wyoming did that too. They, they plowed it all into the middle of the street, and then they would cut little divots in it for different places. But if you wanted to get to a specific house, you had to go all the way down to the end of the block and turn around and come back. See, I'd even take that if I could, you know, finally get a snow plowed on a timely manner. <laughs> Man, I remember snow. When... He's, he's, a, he's an anti-snow, a, a snow well, fight. I think but today... For good reason. <laughs> Today you asked why you lived in Montana because I had the second lowest uh, recorded temperature in the United States, <laughs> only behind Alaska. So negative seventy was the coldest that's ever been recorded in Montana. And yeah. he goes, "You want to tell the joke?" Okay, so I was like, "So I was like, hey, do you guys know why I still live here?" And I was like, "Well, I'm still frozen in the ground." <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh. I, I wish you weren't so awkward, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it. He's been like waiting it. for that one. I have. I had that one teed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how do you guys want to proceed? Like, uh, Ken, you, you have a little bit more years on this earth than us. You got any cool, awesome things about the Midwest that we might not know about? Okay, so I did want to talk about this. You guys have named your podcast incorrectly. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. you're, you actually, there's a huge geographical feature that runs from Canada to Mexico, and it actually touches both your states. Um, of course, Montana, it goes straight through, but uh, the, the, the Rocky Mountains <clears throat> hit through the Bighorns and into the Black Hills of South Dakota. So your podcast should be named the Rocky Mountain Fins. I like it. This is very true. So, and I, I've always felt myself that I've, I'm a Rocky Mountain kid. So, I guess uh, good... for me, go ahead. I was just gonna say for me, like um, I don't really associate myself with the Rocky Mountains that much, just because like the Bighorns are between the Rockies and the Black Hills too. Yeah, so it seems like there's like three small ranges there, but it makes sense. But the, the Rocky Mountains are, are a series of ranges. So but the Bighorns are a part of that, and so are the Black Hills. So it, it, it actually, I, I wouldn't, I haven't looked on a map, but I would say it's probably the most eastern portion of the Rocky Mountain chain is through South yeah. Dakota. And my mom's from was born in Edgemont, by the way. Well, that's not too far from me. Nope. Where the Mickelson Trail ends. Mickelson Trail ends on Edgemont, and then it goes to Deadwood, which is where I'm at. Yeah. And so here's my first um, <clears throat> first time I was in South Dakota. I was taking my grandfather to South Dakota to the Veterans um, Hospital there. And uh, we hit the Wyoming-South Dakota line, and the paved road immediately turned into a dirt road. 
So. <laughs> that sounds that sounds very sounds right. <laughs> so my, so that was my, my first impression of South Dakota. Since then, yeah, I've like, been to I've been to the Black Hills and I've been to uh, Mount Rushmore, and it's it's a beautiful country. It really is. Mount Rushmore is pretty cool, but I wouldn't so, I wouldn't be a Montana if I didn't make fun of South Dakota all the time. So <laughs> that's where we're at. Just a little bit to touch base on Mount Rushmore. Um, for for forever, when I was a kid, all I could remember was that on Fourth of July, they would do fireworks over Mount Rushmore. Which makes sense, right? Mount Rushmore is a, you know, a pr- profound documentation of, hey, here's some great presidents. Let's celebrate our independence on Independence Day. It makes sense to me. But the fire danger around here was so bad that it just wasn't logical for them to do it. So then they went to this like laser light show where, uh, you know, they would just do lasers, and it was kind of cool, but it wasn't the same impact of fireworks going off George Washington's head. Well, like. <laughs> This last season, last year, they decided that 2020 was going to be the first year that they bring back fireworks to Mount Rushmore. Cool. Very exciting. Um, yesterday, the local newspapers were reporting that Donald Trump had stated it was his idea to bring the fireworks back to Mount Rushmore. And he's planning on attending the fireworks show at Mount Rushmore on July 4th. So that would be pretty interesting to see if that actually comes about. Well, he saw the publicity that Australia was getting for the wildfires, so he's like, we could probably do that. And it's just South Dakota, so <laughs> it's not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Oh, that's... <laughs> that's like the best joke we've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just a reminder, it's not a political podcast. <laughs> uh. So, um, I, will, I will end on uh, Lead South Dakota's fireworks show. Over the open cut is far superior to the Mount Rushmore's. You will never find a place that has bigger fireworks because they shoot them off from so far away from everybody. They can actually shoot them out horizontally to where they light them off instead of straight up. So it feels like they're shooting them towards you when they go off. It's pretty pretty awesome. All right, that sounds, that sounds impressive. I'll 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 tweet a picture on the the Midwestern Fins account so you guys can see it. Sounds good. So getting back to your original point of uh, our name being incorrect. <laughs> yes, it's very true. But I'd like to remind our listeners that we really started this podcast as a joke. So <laughs> I just came up with the name on the fly. <laughs> true statement. So it was a good time. Nice. Yes. Is there any... Uh, any other Midwestern things that you got on on your radar? Um, I I tell you what I was uh, I was watching this show called Last American Cowboy, and it's uh, it's based upon the uh, um, three ranchers, three ranches, and they're all in Montana, and uh, it's it's a very good representation of what what life is like in montana so if any of your listeners want to go it's on hulu it's called like i said the last american cowboy and uh it uh, it portrays uh, ranchers and the tough life that they lead um, very well nice 
Sounds pretty awesome. Kind of reminds me of a book I read when I was in college called Buffaloes for the Broken Heart or something like that. And it was basically a book about a, a buffalo rancher in South Dakota. So it's cool. <laughs> like it. It is pretty cool. Yeah. All righty. So then let's... Also, also one more thing that uh, the beef jerky that uh, you provided to your guest is called high country beef jerky, which I'm, I'm expecting my shipment of, uh, of, of jerky any day now. Okay. So I did, I did send her high country, right? But I also sent her another brand as well. Uh, I can't remember I'm, the name off the top of my head. I'm, I'm just waiting for my high country. All right. I got you. <laughs> got it. So high country beef jerky. I haven't gotten any yet either. Peggy. Oh. Well, how about that? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta Let's hide see. these empty jerky bags. <laughs> yeah, Carrie's better looking than we are, so that's why she got the jerky. Right. Uh, before we jump on to the second half of Midwestern Fins, Ken, would you like to uh, talk about my favorite part of our podcast and give a little bit about the charity you selected this week? Absolutely. I, um, and this one's very close to my heart. And I know you've had it on before, but it's the American uh, Diabetes Association. Um, and, and the reason I selected it is because my grandmother had diabetes. And, and uh, through my life, I, I always knew she had diabetes. Um, but as the disease progressed, um, she became unable to see as well. And so at one point, my mom would have to go over there on a weekly basis to, to my grandparents' house and, and uh, um, put the insulin into her needles um, <clears throat> because her, my grandma couldn't, couldn't see how many milliliters and stuff like that in there. And, uh, you know, when my mom wasn't able to do it, then I would have to do that for her. And it, it, and it the next stage of that pr progression would be um, she lost both her feet um, to diabetes. So I watched this woman that's walking around and everything and um, being a, a great cook, um, just end up in a wheelchair and eventually in a, in a, a bed at a assisted living facility with no legs. And so that makes me hate diabetes, um, and that's why I selected that association, the Di American Diabetes Association. Man, I really appreciate you talking about that, Ken. I, I've said this every single episode that we've had a charity on. It's like my favorite part because it's so nice to be able to relate back to people and make it personal. You know, a lot of things I do in my job, you know, I try to make it personal just so people can realize how important it is. And I think yours has been one of the best stories that we've heard on here and how it directly impacted you uh, as an individual. So uh, American Diabetes Association, uh, diabetes is pretty close home to me as well. Um, my grandfather kind of passed away due to it as well. Uh, it was kind of a combination of diabetes and heart failure, but uh, diabetes runs in my family. And w one thing about the American Diabetes Association is it's not only for, you know, helping find a cure for it in the future, but it's also talks about prevention. So those of you that might be at high risk for diabetes, please go get checked. Just make sure that you don't have to deal with it or at least try to prevent it so it's not as bad as it could be. So 
I know that a few of our guests have, have diabetes ourselves, Tank and uh, Matt, Mr. Strong Style. So you know, shout out to those guys that already have to deal with that on a regular and then everybody that's in, uh, impacted by diabetes. So thank you, Ken. I appreciate you. Hey, no problem. Peggy, you got some stats for us? I know that you're trying, but no big deal if you don't. Uh, just got back onto it. Um, for type 1 diabetes, 1.25 million Americans have it. And it says that 40,000 people will be diagnosed with it this year. And it's every age, race, color, shape, size. Like type 1 diabetes is not really something that you can prevent it's the type two that you can prevent with uh eating properly and taking care of your body um and you can get more information on how to do that on uh, diabetes.org yep that's the website diabetes.org i just pulled it up myself so check it out if you guys got time to look at it that's that's better than not and if you got some money to donate, always they're always taking it. So it goes to a good cause. Absolutely. But, all right. Enough with the, uh, I mean, it's not sad, but kind of. But hmm. back to the main focus. Uh, obviously, it's your fault, Ken, that Haggy's a Dolphins fan. So would you like to uh, elaborate on that a little bit, maybe? Why you set oh. me up for failure? <laughs> <laughs> so... I myself became a, a Miami Dolphins fan because uh, a friend of my dad gave me a Miami Dolphins coat one time. And uh, it was around um, 1983, 1984 um, when this happened. And as you know, the, the greatest quarterback of all time was on the Dolphins in 83, 84. So I became a fan of the Dolphins by watching um, Mr. Marino play. And, uh, you know, he made it to the Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl quarterback. But he didn't win. <laughs> he won a lot of games. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that won a lot of games, didn't even make it to the Super Bowl. But, and, and Taylor, I know I talked to Matt about this. He probably warned you a little bit. But I do have a bone picked with you. Dan Reno <laughs> did not ruin the Dolphins. Dan Marino set a standard for what a good quarterback looks like. An unachievable standard. There, it, there's achievable standard. I mean, Drew Brees is that type of quarterback. Yeah, and that, so that's two and out of achievable. the it's millions achievable. of players. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. These are quarterbacks that can hang in the pocket, can see, can move up when they need to, can move around when they need to, and make the throws. And make the throws accurately. But here's the problem, right? He ruined the Dolphins because he ruined the fans because he was the greatest quarterback of all time. And now everyone expects every quarterback to be Dan Marino, which ruins them because they're always calling for their head. They gave Tannehill like two years, like half a Dolphins Twitter did. Two years. And then... I mean, some more people gave him more time. Like, I know I'm still supporting him, but that's because I didn't expect him to be Dan Marino. I, I will say that I feel like the uh, the next Marino um, idea 
seems like has decreased lately. And I think it's because people are starting to realize that it's an unachievable goal. With that being said, I don't really see football being the same. And Haggy and I actually had this conversation. Uh, It's going to be impossible to compare players from one, um, like one generation to the next, just because of yeah, absolutely. It'd be like trying to compare Bob Greasy to Dan Marino. It's it's just not the same because the, the game has changed so much. And, and the game since Marino played has changed so much um, that and, and me personally, I'm not looking for a guy that looks exactly like Dan Marino. I'm looking for a guy that can do the things that Dan Marino did. And and to me, after watching Tannehill for seven years, um, I wanted him to mature as much as anybody else, but he didn't do it while he was in the Dolphins. I haven't watched him since he's been in Tennessee, but except for the one throw that he threw um, for the second touchdown of last weekend's game, and it was the best throw that I've ever seen the man make. And it was, I mean, because the receiver was in stride, it was over his shoulder correctly, and that... I'd never seen a throw like that from Tannehill before. So I had to actually shut the game off because I was so <laughs> angry. I was so angry that I'm like, where was that guy for the last seven years? You know, he's waiting for an offensive line. I will say, I will say that his first touchdown throw or are you, t- you're talking about the one where it was a deep, deep throw, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the other touchdown that he threw was a fade in the corner. Um, and I think is that right at the end of the first quarter, but it was a fade in the left corner of the end zone. And he threw it in a place where only a receiver could get it. And the catch probability had to have been like 17%. They do that now. Apparently, yeah. uh, nice. apparently the NFL can calculate a catch probability, but they can't spot the ball. Right. Looking at you Packers fans. Um, anyway, <laughs> no. yeah, I, I think both of his touchdown throws this last weekend were phenomenal, but going back to like his best throw, um, I really, and I, I'm, I'm just maybe I'm a stand, but his th- touchdown pass to Kenny Stills in San Diego a few years ago while he was absolutely getting demolished. He hit Kenny Stills in the back of the end zone. I think that was his best throw. It was gorgeous. So, Ken, if you haven't seen that, check it out. Uh, I, I, think- I will look it up. I, I, I'm thinking that I can remember it. But if I if you recall, if it's the one I'm thinking about, Kenny Stills had to actually um, stop and come back for that ball. Uh-uh. And I'm talking about no. in stride passes. No, he, uh, Kenny still was in stride. Oh, he, he wasn't. Had, yeah. Okay. I, I don't remember had, that one now. Yep. He only yeah. That was a good pass steps. too. Yeah. He only had two steps before he went over the back of the end zone. So yeah. it was, uh, so, so two of 400,000 passes. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I like it. Um, Touche. Yeah. Oh, so we had a uh, we wanted to do a list of uh, your favorite players that never won a Super Bowl. Oh, I got a good list. My favorite players that never won a Super Bowl. Yep. Okay. Um, well, you start with Dan, <laughs> and then you go uh, JT. You go Zach Thomas, who, if he's not in the um, not in the Hall of Fame this year, 
I'm going to drive personally to Canton and write his name on the bathroom wall. Um, Manchester. <laughs> and uh, um, Cam Wake also. He has a chance. Yeah. And might, then might happen this year. You know, uh, the, the March brothers, um, Duper and Clayton, would be on that list. Um, Man, you got a huge list. I was just hoping for a top five, but. Well, that's six. So yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> hey, Tim, you what, what's your list? I want to hear your list first. All right. So the, the, the thing is, I thought the question was the best NFL players that never won a Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. That's my bad. They were all on the Dolphins. Yeah, well, that would make sense because then they'd be your favorite. But uh, and the Dolphins don't win Super Bowls. But let's uh, so I just want to go to the uh, the best NFL players that never won a Super Bowl. Uh, Cleo Lemon. Yep. Ryan Leaf. So <laughs> Marcus Russell. You know Ryan Leaf's a Montanan, right? Yeah. Yeah, he actually is. I mean, we lived in Great Falls for a lot of years, and and he's from Great Falls, Montana. I think I uh, said on the podcast last week or the week before that I went to his high school. So, yeah, you did. Yeah. And then the other two gotta be Richie Incognito, and probably Philip Wheeler. Mm, gotta add Jonathan Martin to that list. I like, I like that list. No, I was actually trying to avoid the Dolphins players, but it seems like those are the ones. <laughs> All right. For a oh. real list, though, a real list of NFL players that were the best to play the game that didn't win a Super Bowl. And this is really difficult for me. I actually tried to make a list, so I'm going to add an exception as a number six seed. But here's my top five. LaDainian Tomlinson. Larry Fitzgerald. Patrick Willis. Calvin Johnson. Jason Taylor and Frank Gore. Those six dudes defined my football career and like defined the football that I watched. So it would be hard for me to go and say like, yeah, it was Dan Marino, which makes sense, right? I'm a Dolphins fan. I should know that, but I didn't actually get to watch Dan Marino play football. Those six guys I watched every weekend and I watched those six guys dominate every weekend. And I watched those six guys, Miami Dolphin, and never win a Super Bowl. The 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 outlier there is Philip Wheeler. Can you explain him? No, Philip <laughs> Philip Wheeler. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. List. That was the wrong list. <laughs> no, I'm the wrong list. So, I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> say the list. Say your uh, second list again, if you don't mind. Ladanian Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald. Patrick Willis, Calvin Johnson, Jason Taylor, and Frank Gore. Patrick Willis. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah, middle linebacker for the 49ers. Okay. I yeah, I didn't I don't watch a lot of 49ers football, so okay. I know who he is now, but yeah. He did make it to the Super Bowl that one year, but I thought that he got hurt like the week before that though. Or was that, that might have been true. Maybe that was Navarro Bowman. Mm, it's one of those two. They were part but, of the team, though. Yeah. I mean, he played. He 
Patrick Willis basically played seven years, made the Pro Bowl all seven years, was a first-team All-Pro five of the seven years. He won the Dick Butkus Award. He was the Defensive Player of the Rookie of the Year. He just, uh, the guy was an absolute animal, and I remember watching him play. Like It just seemed like he dominated every single play. He had 950 tackles in his career and only played seven seasons. That seems yeah. like ridiculous amount. Which reminds me, did you see that Luke Keekley retired? I did, which is equally insane, but both of these guys retired when they were 30 years old. Patrick Willis and Luke Keekley both. And Calvin Johnson. Another guy on the list. Well, we got Frank Gore who's going to be like 55 when he retires. I really, think, <laughs> I really, I genuinely believe that Frank Gore is going to play in the NFL until his son is also in the NFL, and he's going to play on the same team as his son. I really believe that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe he's just trying to play longer than Brady. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea too. Yeah. So right. I heard, I heard today that the, uh, or last night that that someone was saying Brady to the Dolphins. What do no. you guys feel about that? Now, let's say, yeah, it may never happen, but what if it happened? I mean, Chad Pennington came to the Dolphins. I don't see how Tom Brady could succeed in Miami with the current state of the Dolphins. He's not a good enough quarterback to elevate the play of those around him. And we don't have the players to elevate his. Or the outside system. Of, outside of Mike Gesicki and Devontae Parker, he just doesn't have the team built to win, which is why Tom Brady's a system quarterback. You know, he wouldn't be able to come in and elevate like it. You know, like Chad Pennington, most accurate passer ever, other than Drew Brees or whatever. He was able to succeed in any offense because that's who he was. Tom Brady's only successful because he plays in the offense that was built around him. Hundred percent agree, and uh, I'd like to say that I would love for that to happen because I follow enough Patriots fans to <laughs> mess with them on Twitter. The Twitter meltdown if Tom Brady came to Miami would be absolutely phenomenal. I would love every minute of it. Yeah. All right, that's just what I do on Twitter. So yeah, Haggy and I are pretty good at trolling. I follow Matthew, um, so yeah, I watch a little bit of this. I've I've kind of stepped away from Twitter for a while because because um, of all the anger, just too much anger on that thing. So I get Twitter frustrated. is a dangerous place. Yeah, I get frustrated and start to think that I should tell my opinion, and then I realize that um, if I do that, I'm going to get more angry. So I've stepped away from a lot of Twitter. That's why Montana Ken's never angry. He's not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. And Matthew's <laughs> turning out to be a pretty good kid. So. Yeah. Jerry's out. <laughs> Jerry's out. Got a couple engineers on this podcast, so. Exactly, out. and I mean those big trains are just awesome to watch going across the country. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to I want to end on this next one. So AFC Championship, NFC Championship this weekend. Who do you guys have 
going to the Super Bowl. I think right. I think it's going to be Green Bay. Um, just for the experience factor of Aaron Rodgers, I think, uh, and the, the fact that uh, um, Adams has really come alive this season. He'll be going against Richard Sherman, though. Yeah, I mean, Richard they're both great. Has- they're both really good teams. Um, and so, but I just think that uh, just the experience of Aaron Rodgers and will carry them through that. And you know, Aaron isn't afraid to throw up a Hail Mary or six in a game. Or six. <laughs> You're right. That's that's true, yeah. So that's uh, why AFC. For the AFC, um, I, I got to feel like it's going to be Kansas City because um, there's, their offense is so supercharged at this point. I mean, coming off of that game, they're, they're going to be supercharged, and their defense has kind of turned it on. They're, um, they're getting some people back that, are, that were hurt, that are healthy now, and so I kind of feel like Kansas City is just going to plow over the, uh, the Titans. The only way that the Titans are going to have a chance is if they, if they slow the game down and, and uh, Henry – Runs for six hundred and fifty yards. Really, that's probably the only way they're going to win too. I think. I mean, if if honestly, and um, I really do wish the kid well, but if they put it in Tannehill's hands, they're going to be disappointed. <laughs> I love it. All right, Matt, your turn. So I I also think Green Bay. Um... I think more because of their defense. I think it's going to be a really defensive-focused game. And the Green Bay Packers defense has also been getting some people back. Um, but, I, yeah, I think it's going to be a defensive game, and Aaron Jones is going to grind it out. And it's going to be really close, but like I'm thinking like a field goal at the end, sort of close. Okay. And then for... The AFC, my mind's telling me Kansas City, but my heart says Tennessee. <laughs> Your heart's in the wrong place, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time, but um, yeah, I think Derrick Henry can grind it out. The Titans' defense is low key under is like low key good. Like a lot of people don't really mention that, but like they're really solid. And I think that that's going to help them out quite a bit. I'm on the same page. Uh, I'm going to disagree with the the NFC game. Here's the only reason. The 49ers have already beat five phenomenal teams and have played five, the best five games of the season already. The Packers barely beat the Seahawks who barely beat the Eagles, who lost to the Dolphins. So, <laughs> I like that uh, train of thought, yeah. yeah. So I, I, think, I think that the NFC game, uh, 49ers-Packers, is probably going to be a better game than the Super Bowl. I think that's the game that we've been waiting for. I think I mentioned that on Twitter, or at least to my friends, that the NFC bracket 
is going to be better than any uh, AFC championship game or any uh, Super Bowl matchup just because those teams were so good. I mean, uh, the Saints were 13 and 3, Packers are 13 and 3, the 49ers are 13 and 3. And then if you go to the AFC outside of the Chiefs and the Ravens, there wasn't really any phenomenal team. You know what I'm saying? So I think whoever wins between the NFC championship game, uh, 49ers or Packers, is just going to steamroll the AFC contender. I really do. I can see that. Um, also, I want to like point out like the 49ers have been rock solid on defense and like they've been wrecking people's quarterbacks and that's because they have like six first round picks on their defensive line hint hint we have three this <laughs> this year <laughs> if you hear me brian flores and chris greer <laughs> yeah defense so all right fellas how you guys feeling feeling good i feel good yeah nice me too well, uh, I'm going to sign off here. You guys are more than welcome to hang out and do whatever your thing is, but I got to get doing some things. So I'm going to have a good night to everybody. Check out the American Diabetes Association if you haven't already. Uh, just at least give them some awareness and understand what's going on. Go get checked if you're at risk for diabetes. And then just, you know, do whatever you can to help everybody else out. Thanks for having, thanks for joining us, Montana Ken. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I had fun. Oh, yeah. Super fun. (laughs) All right. Cue the banjo music. All right. Signing off, everybody. Have a good night. Yeah, it's the banjo music, man. Come on. I, I was thinking there's going to be banjo music to start with, but no. Oh, no, we don't. We don't added in. <laughs> I know. I, but I'm like, gosh, man, I feel like some banjo music would really get me going. <laughs> <laughs>